Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Josh and Lance. Bras, what is up? Welcome to the Working Interferences Podcast, a dental advice show. I am Joshua Austin. And I am Lance Timmerman. Lance, you got to be down to clown today. It is a rainy Saturday afternoon in San Antonio. It feels like I live in Seattle. That's so weird because I'm in Seattle and it is not raining. It's a beautiful day. It's like we've transported some sort of quantum physics deal and, and the weather in, in San Antonio is happening in Seattle and the Seattle weather is happening in San Antonio. And, and I got to tell you, buddy, I'm tired of rain. It's rained about seven inches in the past two weeks in San Antonio. So if, if there were, if there were a big rain gauge, I could fit two of my penises into that. Um, and, <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> to measure the seven inches. So, uh, we have some. We have dental royalty on the show today, Lance. You lined this up. I did. Um, I, I have to say, I, I didn't. I, he, this this uh, this this doctor we have on today, I think, has written a couple of things for dental economics before. So that's sort of my my uh, how I know about him. You all, you know him a little bit better, yeah. Um, yeah. We have someone who has two hundred and sixteen thousand followers on Instagram, wow. which is. Baffling. I just can't even imagine what that must be like. So um, I would say we have one of the most famous dentists in the world today joining us all the way from either New York or Dubai. I don't know for sure where, where he's at today. We have Dr. Michael Appa. Dr. Appa, what is going on? Not much. Where are you? I am in sunny New York. Nice. Okay. On the way to the airport to go to Dubai or just no, chilling? No. I am. I'm actually on the ground for a week, so I'm loving every minute of it. Very cool. What is it like to be? Uh, is it bicontinental? What do you even call that? Transcontinental? I don't want to throw the word "bi" in there and 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 make anything crazy for you. So, what what, what do you call that when you're practicing part time in the states and part time in the Middle East? <clears throat> um, sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it, um, so I'm opening up LA right now, which is pretty bizarre because it's the opposite direction of everything I'm doing. But, um, it, it, uh, is a little taxing, but, you know, we have, uh, some pretty amazing ways of doing things. You know, it, you couldn't do this in, in 2000. You know, there was no Emirates airline. There was no like extreme luxury of travel. Couldn't just box yourself on a plane and keep doing it. So I, I go back every two to three weeks. But um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Like the airline is amazing, and they take extremely good care of me. So it's really not that bad. Very cool. Very cool. What are your accommodations like in Dubai? Well, I mean, the airplane, you have a, a suite, right, with a shower so and a, like, yeah. a flat screen TV. So, but well, what about when you hit the ground? What's what's it like there? It's, um, you know, it's like Dubai is like the most luxurious place in the world. So, okay. yeah. You feel safe all the time? Has there ever been a moment where you, you know, uh, most of us who have never been to the Middle East just picture scud missiles firing around everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. Yeah. Jewish people are not allowed in Dubai. I hear that all the time. Um, it's not true. And, um, and it is the safest, probably the safest city that you could travel to next to Singapore. Um, it's much safer than New York, but uh, yeah, there's no crime in Dubai because it's not, you know, it's not a democracy where if you mess up, you get put in jail and then put through a court system. It's like if you mess up, you don't really know what happens to those people. So people <laughs> tend not to mess up. Yeah, I actually was in Dubai a few years back and I felt totally safe. We're walking around. I mean, you don't see graffiti. You don't see the homelessness. You don't see what other big cities have. Uh, I love Dubai. Yeah, it's like super clean, super safe, and and very yeah. curious. Yeah, is the richest patient you've ever worked on in Dubai or in New York? My hunch is it's Dubai. Um, I mean, we have some pretty rich patients in New York. I mean, we're we're uh, we have some Forbes heavy hitters. The problem with the people in Dubai is they're usually royalty and they're not listed on Forbes international right. you know, uh, business yeah. list. So you don't really know what they're worth. But um, there's some pretty rich people all over the world, to be honest. 
and, and they tend to just hop on their plane and travel to see you if they really want what you're offering. That's awesome. So you you practice with uh, Larry Rosenthal, is that correct? I do. So I don't. You can probably neither confirm nor deny this, but I'm assuming that the president has been in your office many times. Confirmed. What like so? I mean, you know him personally, I would guess. Of course. I mean, is it is what's it like to now know that he is the per, this person that you knew before as this you know kind of eccentric personality is now one of the most powerful men in the world? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. That's for sure. Very nice. I see from your Instagram feed you are a diet coke addict. I am a Diet Coke addict. Okay. I'm a Diet Dr. Pepper addict, so I feel like I just need to, if I switch to Diet Coke, I will then be able to prep a lot more veneer cases and things like that. <laughs> it's probably going to happen for you, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I, I, I will go to the, I'll go to Costco today and grab a few cases of, a, dude, I'm going to trash this Texas Diet Dr. Pepper stuff. I got to, we got to get rid of that crap. <laughs> Nice. Um, well, Lance, uh, Michael, this is an advice show. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> we answer our listeners' questions. We answer questions we find on all those neat little dental Facebook groups. We answer questions from Reddit. Reddit. We strive to help dentists and dental team members with our own unique brand of advice. So please, listeners, we need your questions. They are the sustenance we crave. You can submit your questions to workinginterferences at gmail.com. Now, we don't want just any question, do we, Lance? Well, someday I kind of might like one. But, we but don't no, want no. a we don't want a bunch of boring questions like who's the best celebrity dentist ever, because we all know that Bill Dorfman and his stupid abs are the best celebrity dentist ever. We want the tough questions. We want the questions that Gordon Christensen cannot answer. Was that too much about about Dorfman? I don't know him at all. I just know that he likes his abs a lot, and that is somewhat disconcerting for like a 55-year-old man to be posing without a shirt on. Um, question one from Emmett. Emmett asks, okay, patient comes in and wants veneers on 7 through 10. You go over everything and have them whiten their teeth at home, and they come back to pick shade. You show them B1 and want and they want to, quote, walk out of here with really white teeth, end quote. After going through the shades, they decide on BL1. You make the veneers, and, of course, they are white AF. And, Michael, I don't I don't know if you're down with Internet lingo. lingo got it. But, I got uh, it. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Patient comes back two weeks later saying they are too white. What do you do? Remake? Fee? Lance, have you ever had somebody come in and say veneers are too white? I have, and but I usually preface the entire the consultation with the ability now to say I told you so. But <laughs> patients I love I told you so. They love <laughs> yeah, it that. Goes over love very, when a dentist says that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very popular. Uh, it um, usually we have a very long conversation in advance, and I try to talk them off the ledge when they ask for this stuff. This toilet bowl white, uh, but I've done toilet bowl white, and they come out looking very, very nice with the right lab tech. They can still blend colors and shades and things. But uh, yeah, um, all that stuff you're saying though, I, I just got to jump in there. You yeah, know, yeah, you're first assuming that when you're having that very long conversation, that you're talking to a rational person, and that, <laughs> it, that can excellent point. That can sometimes be very wrong because you know this hat you know i see an awful lot of these patients right yeah and i'm a very um i'm very methodical in our approach to how we get to the end because first of all i've been doing this for 15 years but i've watched larry you know go through this for 40 years and um no matter how many times you sit down and try to go through a to b to c to try and be as um you know, the interesting part is patients think that we don't want to give them what they want. You know, when you try to uh, give them information, it's almost like it becomes an argument where, well, no, you're not, you're not giving me what I want. Well, what do you want? And then you get all these crazy answers. So the first thing, when you have these conversations about shade, it, it is nearly impossible, you know, either way, mm -hmm. whether it's too white or not, you know, normally it's not white enough, but right. um, it, it, it's near impossible to uh, to rationally have a conversation about shade, because as we all know as dentists, right, like... 
there's no such thing as a BL1. There's no such thing as a 1M1. I mean, if you're using high-end porcelain and someone's layering your porcelain, I mean, they're working on porcelain powders that don't come labeled 1M1 or BL1 or whatever shade that you want. You know, they're a mixture of different types of opaquers, dentin shades, enamel shades to get <laughs> to the end that's built on top of a tooth that's a certain color. And in the end, we're hoping that it gets to somewhere around that shade tab that that patient picked out. You know, but that what they don't understand is they're not looking at themselves. They're looking at a, a tab, right? Yeah, a pl- piece right. of plastic, right? Yep, yep. How drastic that changes when you put it in someone's mouth. So, I mean, shade is one of the most is one of the most difficult things in the world. And w- what we've tried to do is is you know it it's some, again depending upon if you're working with a sane or or not so sane person, you know you walk them through all these things and you have them sign a piece of paper because they'll always forget or change what they said or what they thought they said. Right. When it comes down to it. And even then, you can give them the piece of paper, you can take the picture with the shade tab that's up against their teeth, they picked it, they chose it, they signed for it, and in the end, if they don't like it, they can bring you to court. I mean, it's as simple as that. And by the yeah. way, you, you lose. Yeah. Yeah. You lose either way, because if you go to court, you lose the amount of time that you sacrifice yeah. out of your office. I mean, it can be three weeks, and it can be rescheduled 500 times. Or if you don't, you end up giving them their money back, and it's just not fair. I mean, really, the problem is is the way that the system is against the dentist. And and here's the thing, it comes from us. Which <laughs> if you go to my social media account, a lot of dentists will say to me like, oh, you're only promoting and why are you promoting these things and so on and so forth. It's really to empower the dentist to take a, a different stance in the world. I mean, think about this. How many patients have you had that have come in and out of your office and not paid you a dime, a.k.a. post-op appointments, bite checks, a problem they needed to talk to you about, something they needed to get off their chest? They schedule an appointment, they come in, they sit down, they leave with no payment. How many times has that happened? Yeah, every day. Okay. How many times does someone get all of their treatment first and then write you a check? Right, yeah. What other, how many appointments, how many patients show up hours late to their appointment and still demand (laughs) to be seen? Too many. Okay. So name, name one, one service that you can get in the United States, okay, that where you can go get the service and then pay for it later. Does McDonald's give you your cheeseburger, tell you to eat it and then pay them? If you like it. Right. Or does, when you bought your new car, did you get to drive it around for a while, check it out, bang it into a couple things, and then write them a check? Right. No. And by the way, if you had heart surgery planned, would you show up an hour and a half? No, I'm serious. Would you show up an hour and a half late and demand that the doctor squeezes you into their schedule? It's right. insane. But what do we do as dentists? We, we apolog- suck it up. Yeah. We and apologize. We, right. we, apolog- we say, you're right. We feel dirty for accepting money for our services. Like, even the fact that I'm saying pay, it makes me feel a little dirty. Yeah. But it, it, it is the most bizarre, backwards thing. And it stems from us. Like, Jeez. this podcast should just be about how to make dentists stand up for themselves. We are the worst two people in the world for that type of. We need you on every week. So you deal with a lot of celebrity or a lot of people who are powerful and or well known. Do you tend to run into that, like where you have them that they don't respect your time, that don't respect that, or is it almost the opposite, where like they totally understand and they? No, no, no. uh, The the powerful and well known respect your time. Yeah. the, The people that are stretching themselves that aren't really sure that are spending their last dime because they think that you're gonna cure something that's in their mind not in their mouth, those now, are the ones that are the problem. Now, back up a little bit. Now, you, you talked about the, the crazy people. What what percentage of your patients would you say are batshit crazy, irrational? Well, it's a tough thing because I think I think people, and this is true, and this is also why I never feel people always say like, oh, who's your competition here? Or aren't you worried about opening because there are so many dentists there? Like The truth is, I think that you elicit the type of patient that you are. I think people gravitate towards who you are as a person and as a 
dentist. Oh, then I guess I'm crazy. Right. Like, <laughs> like speaking of Larry, he has the craziest patients ever. Yes. And when I went in and bought that practice, part of what I did initially was really weed those people out because they were just a drain on yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It was a disaster. You like, there was no running a, a business. It was just dealing with one crazy thing after the next. Yeah, yeah. He showed me some uh, texts and emails that have been sent from some really just batshit crazy people. It's nuts. Yeah, but I he's was... crazy. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And well, that's you and why I... he draws those people in. It's true. I mean, it's really true. Yeah, and I, I don't know, Michael, if you remember, I, we actually have a common patient that I got on the train after you. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I was kind of honored that I was one of the uh, the on the list of dentists this person had gone to. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, there's that no was... solving her problem. That's no. a perfect example. Exactly. Was, this, this, this... Has nothing to do with the dentistry. Nothing. No. And and that that is by the way that is something. And I'm being serious now. That is something that patients don't understand. We carry home with us, and yeah. it really it takes away from our families. It takes away from our sanity, our sleep. It takes away from us being good to other patients because, trust me, it's like anything. The more times that you encounter that and the more times that you have to deal with that, the worse you are to new patients because you're so afraid that it's going to happen again and you're you're doing everything possible to just stay out of that situation, Mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's a disaster. But again, the most important thing is... You know, some patients, they come to me and they say, you know, I've gone for other consults and this dentist told me about this and this dentist told me about that. And immediately I say to them, like, get out. Like, really, leave my (laughs) office. Because if you're shot, I mean, I'm all for opinions. Uh (laughs) People really want them. Uh The truth is, it's like, I I see... This is going to be terrible. You want some controversy here, you're going to get it. I love it. Do it. I see the dental education system, the continuing education, the what are, what people, let's talk about people that teach dentistry in general. Okay. Okay. People that are lifelong um, lecturers typically don't have time to practice. Is that true or not true? I would say a lot of the time it's true. Okay, so you're getting a lot of the science, which is great, but what you're not getting is the practicalness of doing this in real the real world. Right. So a lot of times, like these, a lot of dentists, you know, they have all this knowledge, but they don't understand really how. And by the way, they're taking weekend courses. They're not, you know, the only way you learn dentistry is to fail, and and that's just. There's just never going to be anything truer. You'll get better the more you fail, and you'll hopefully learn from your mistakes, and you'll you'll hone and craft and, and get good. It's like anything, playing baseball, playing tennis, whatever sport or whatever thing you do, you have to fuddle around and fuddle and fuddle and fuddle until you find your way, and that's how you get good. So if you're not doing it, you're not going to be good. And if you're taking these pearls that these lecturers give you and bringing it into your practice and giving it to your patients and thinking that that's how dentistry is supposed to be done, you're destroying the patient population. You're ruining their minds. They bring that to the next dentist, and it's, well, my dentist did it this way, and my other dentist told me this. Well, then go there. What are you doing here? (laughs) Right, yeah. If they were so great, why aren't you still in their chair? Right. But they've just poisoned the patient's mind, and now they become untreatable. And and it's really a problem. And then when you try to collect or, like... You know, I'll tell you a story. I'm dealing with a patient right now. This dentist must have spent, and I'm not exaggerating, six months with this patient. And I didn't know it before. And that's another thing. If you have a patient from another dentist, call the dentist first. Don't Mm -hmm. think that you're going to be the hero that's going to, like, save the day. And the other dentist was shitty. And you're the, you know, the magical maker. Yeah, you're going to swoop in and be the hero. Right. You're not. It's usually not us. It's them, right? So call the dentist and really find out the story. I was rushed. I didn't realize it. It was kind of slotted into my schedule. And here I am. I have a three-hour appointment to take off 10 crowns that some other dentist did. And uh, right before I'm about to get her numb, she said to me, um, "My, uh, you know, yeah, these teeth are just horrible. Like my other, my other dentist thinks they're fine and won't even let me go back." Oof. And I was like, "Wow!" Tell. I yeah. looked at my assistant and I'm like, "Red, red, burning red flag." <laughs> And of course, I was an idiot, and I dove in, and I yeah. did it, right? Mm-hmm. And we're in this position now where, 
this dentist, and all she keeps saying is, well, my other dentist did this, and my other dentist did this, and why aren't you doing it this way? How, you know, she, when I was about to put her new crowns in, she said, I don't want to be numb. My other dentist put my crowns in without me being numb. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Your, te- your temporaries are bonded on you. You want me to cut through these suckers? Sure. No problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're in this place now where I'm not treating her. I'm just defending myself to why I'm not doing things the way that her dentist did them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, and it becomes an impossible road where you, you're just stuck. And, and, and by the way, and it's not, I, I, I want to say it's not even the patient's fault. What happens is the patients get so crazy because they know nothing, but they hear some things and they put, and then they go on WebMD or whatever yeah. website they go on to research. They think they understand, like, even color. Like, you know, yeah. I, I like Emacs. When a patient comes in and says, I want OM3 Emacs, it's like, get out. Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. Way too many details. Unless you are a dentist, then yeah, yeah, I don't want to see you. Right. Yeah. So you know, my answer is to this to this very simple question: If you bought a car and they showed you the color and you ordered it, now I'm talking about a car they have to make, not one you're buying off the lot. Let's talk like a Ferrari. Okay. Uh You're buying a Ferrari. You go to the Ferrari showroom. They offer you a bunch of colors and combinations and you pick the car out and then the order form goes into the factory and Ferrari makes you a car and sends it to you. When you get the car, if you don't like the way it looks, do you think Ferrari's going to be like, no problem, give it back to me, I'll make another one. Let's try it again. Yeah, no, that ain't happening. No, but a dentist, right, if Uh the patient doesn't like the shade, most dentists, because we're so petrified of being sued, will yeah. say, sure, I'll remake these, no charge. Yeah. And, how and it sets a bad precedent for everybody. Of course it does. does. And I don't think... way, we settle 95% of the yeah. time. Patients know we're not going to take the time to go to court, so we're just settling. Right. Like, yeah. No, take your money back, get out of my hair, it's cheaper to settle than it is to go through, but who wins is the patient every time. But really, they're losing, because they're just destroying their own psyche. If they would just listen to us, if they would go... Mm-hmm. Like, if you went to have heart surgery and your, and your heart surgeon said, you have two valves that are completely blown out and I have to replace both of them, do you think the patient would say, well, how about we just do one of them? <laughs> yeah, and see how it goes. Yeah, see how yeah. it goes, and then maybe if I want to add the second one on later, we'll do it? No. Yeah. Next year when my insurance will renew, we'll do the next valve. Right, right, right. It's just this, like, sick, it's only in dentistry, and I don't understand it. It's, like, yeah. it's disgusting. So you're saying remake this case, but do it for a fee. Like, if they want it remade, do it. Charge them again. I don't think this is a shade issue. Full fee, by the way. Full fee. Absolutely. No, no discounted nothing. Like, you have to do it all over again. Yeah. And it's even harder now, yeah, because you got to grind off all that ceramic that's going to be right. harder than prepping enamel. Yeah. yeah. And you have to deal with a patient that is like, doesn't trust you. Right. I don't think this is a shade issue, honestly. I think this is a characterization issue. I think this lab tech, I think these were probably like $99 lab fee veneers. And they're completely monochromatic, and there's no, you know, there's no characterization or translucency or halo or anything built into any of them. And if you take just a monochromatic veneer and make it a BL1, it's going to look ridiculously white. Jerry Jones has that. I don't know if you've ever seen Jerry Jones. I don't know who did Jerry Jones's work, but it's he's Me? monochromatic. Uh, no way. No, he had, I'm, I'm sure kidding. he went to somebody in Dallas. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's, if, if, he, if he had home base in New York, I would have uh, tested the waters at that question first. But, uh, no, but, but hang on one second, because this is the important part. Okay. Monochromatic, monolithic restoration, restorative materials. This is what I'm talking about lecturing. If you go to a lecture today, Dentists that are paid by that company that make these products will tell you that this is the way to go, right? Because it's stronger, it doesn't chip, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's there's more uh, brawn than beauty. Right. And, you know, um, Phelps Bathic is too, you know, it fractures too much. It doesn't hold up the test of time. You can't use it on Bruxers, um, so on and so forth. So use this monochromat- monolithic junk. Emacs. Okay. Uh-huh. And so you go in to try and give it to a patient, and the patient sees that it looks like a block of shit, essentially, right? And then you have to cut off monolithic whatever, mm-hmm. Emacs, which is a disaster. You know, it's like $4,000 in burrs to cut off <laughs> anything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, that is, that is where I see lecturing going wrong. It's like 
Well, no, it, it's not. I mean, there there are certain times where you can use it and it'll work just fine. But when you're dealing with anterior aesthetics, like it's very, very difficult. And people that show you cases that are monolithic, stain and glaze and put in someone's mouth, like they're working with excellent lab techs that understand how to make that look decent. And they're, it's not coming out of a printer into a patient's mouth, believe me. Right, but they'll tell you that. Right, right. So then you'll use your local guy, right, who's also doing monolithic fill in the blank, and mm-hmm. you'll, you know, the ninety nine dollar stuff, and you'll think that you're going to get something that's reasonably okay, and it's going to be garbage. And, and then today, you're gonna put, and then you're going to fail in your case, and it's just like it's this weird wheel that we're on as dentists. It's like. I don't understand it. It's just bizarre to me. Yeah. We should mention today's show is brought to you by Ivoclar. Uh, Emacs <laughs> when you need to trust it. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I've never done um, a full like six or eight unit Feldspathic case. I've only ever done a four unit Feldspathic case. But I'm younger than you guys. So, um, you know, Feldspathic is just sort of almost for younger dentists, they just don't even know anything about it. No, you know? nothing. So it's like doesn't even come up in dental school. Nope. You know, like you said, CE courses aren't, they're just not talking about. And I saw something the other day, the big aesthetics guy at this dental school I went to, a guy named Nasser Barji, who's a well-known name in veneers, is now talking zirconia veneers yeah um, and that's like really? this topic yeah so everything is painted on it right any characterization you get is painted on the surface right so the the stuff the cases he shows and the lighting and whatnot looks really good what's it going to look like after you know four million toothbrush cycles on it you know you just don't know so it's wow. interesting that we're moving even further away from the feldspathic and it's just becoming this not only lost art it's like the Frickin' Mayan language or something, right? Well, it is definitely lost art. We're losing the artists, the lab technicians with all the talent. I mean, trained in them. This is we're losing these guys. Yeah, I'll tell you something. I um I have my I have my own um lab in Dubai, and I'm I have my own lab in New York, and uh, I have this guy from Korea. He's amazing in Dubai, and he only did Emacs. So when he came to us in Dubai, he said, let me just try, you know, I said, no. And he said, listen, let me just try and you'll see and blah, blah, blah. So we tried a couple cases and listen, on a one-to-one photograph, if I post on Instagram or I put in a lecture, it looks great because it's got a lot of detail. It's got a lot of morphology. You can really control the shapes and all that stuff. But Emacs always, I don't care who does it, looks gray. It just doesn't have the same color blend as as feldspathic, and I can mm-hmm. I can spot it a mile away. I don't care how good it is. And I, I took him aside one time, and I I bought him a cashmere sweater from Laura Piana, and I bought him a cashmere sweater from some junkie store. And I laid them both out on the table, and I said, I want you to feel and look at both of these sweaters. They're both cashmere, and they'll tell you that both are great. But the difference is, is when you really feel and look up close at Laura Piana's cashmere sweaters you'll know that you're in a different world. I said, when our patients possibly land up in some other dentist's chair, I want them to look at that work and think Laura Piana. And there is a difference. And so now he's trained on feldspathic, and it's like night and day. Hmm. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, so we so admit that if you remake the case, fine. Charge them for it and uh, and, and look at Feldspathic, not look at uh, not look at Emacs. That's what uh, that's what the famous Michael Appa is telling you. <laughs> On to Sarah's question here. This is uh, Sarah. Listener Sarah asks: Seated a minimal prep veneer case today. Had a lot of sensitivity with her temps. She says her teeth feel like nails on a chalkboard, quote unquote. She seems pretty low maintenance and a very laid back patient, so I don't take her for being overly sensitive or dramatic. Proceeded to anesthetize to remove the temps and deliver. After local infiltration with two carps of carbocane, she was still severely sensitive to air and water. Added two carps of septicane and no improvement on anesthesia. Gave an incisal, which I'm guessing she means like palatal into the incisive papilla. Yeah. Patient didn't feel the injection, but it did not eliminate any sensitivity. WTH. And for Michael, if you're not internet. (laughs) Got it. it. (laughs) Can anyone explain this? Any tips for anesthetic for cosmetic cases? All right, so Michael, this is a mystery to me. I don't know what could be going on here other than the patient's a pain in the ass. So you have any takes on this? Yeah. 
There's two things. Number one, she's not putting that needle deep enough. I guarantee you. Ooh, go deeper. Yeah. You've got it. Like, uh, Josh likes it deep. Josh yeah. is big and deep. I have dentists that come to us from dental school, and we really train them because we like to get them right out of dental school so they learn any bad habits. And when they inject patients, they inject like subcutaneous. Yeah. And they think that's the injection. And I go back to prep their teeth, and they feel everything. And when you inject a patient, you got to get... Especially someone who's sensitive, you got to really get to the apex of the tooth for sure. Mm -hmm. Secondly, don't waste your time with carbocaine. <laughs> Just yeah. throw it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially if your patient said they were sensitive. The only thing you're doing is adding volume and you're going to create swelling or yeah. bruising possibly. Just don't use it. And thirdly, we have seen this where, um, you know, when patients have severe sensitivity in temporaries um, or they, you know, sometimes people have drug habits, like if they're on uh, yeah. s s some kind of upper, even uh, a lot of these younger kids now are on um, Ritalin or, or whatever that other thing is. Adderall. Adderall, controlled speed. Yeah, that's before my generation. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, that will that will inhibit the the efficacy of the of the local anesthetic, and you got to look out for those things. And sometimes, like they'll feel they're not they're going to feel sensitive to the air, but they're not. You're going to be able to get through the case. It's just not going to be profoundly numb, and it is what it is. I've had a few people where we found out it was an undiagnosed thyroid imbalance, where I could get them numb last week, but this week we couldn't, and the next week we could. And it ended up being just a, a thyroid, but that's uh, that's pretty unusual. That's I not the hate norm. having to anesthetize to deliver anterior cases because you screw up their lip and repose, and you can't yeah. get a natural smile out of it. And it's like, especially on a minimal prep case, like man, I'm going to try everything I can to deliver that case first without any anesthetic, if possible, at least just to get them on there before we do the bonding protocol. So we can get a good look at them and see, like, with a natural lip, what they look like. And they're like, like you're right, like with this much volume now of anesthetic, man, it's gonna be hard to kind of tell like where the lip's gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, <sighs> Michael, do you do a lot of uh, minimal prep? Yeah, of course. Okay. What yeah, percentage no, your What percentage of your patients do you work on that are sedated? Zero. Oh, really? Okay. I would have figured yeah. you would have done a lot of uh, of sedation kind of stuff for people. No, because you know what we, you know, we don't really work with wax ups, so we design everything ourselves. And I'll tell you a quick protocol that will help you to not worry about the anesthesia. Basically, we'll design the temporaries and we'll get the patient to sign off on them. Okay, and if they do, length, shape, all that stuff. We take an index and take a measurement, give that to the lab, and the lab will build the veneers into that index to match exactly. The vestibular volume, the length, everything, they'll come out looking exactly the same. And the way we verify it is we cut off half the temporaries and try and half the units against the other side and make sure that they're the same length and the same width. Once we verify that, we know um, that it's what the patient wanted. And, and, you know, it really cuts down on the amount of redos. The biggest problem in cosmetic dentistry is not being able to show the patient before it's finished. Right. What do you think about Coachman and DSD and that kind of stuff? He's great. I mean, you say you're not doing anything with... So are you doing, like, direct composite mock-ups, basically? Um, that is a very basic way of saying it, but yes, I mean, okay. we're, we're really designing what the teeth and the occlusion is supposed to be in the mouth with flowable composite. And okay. most of our time is spent on that. Very little time is when you talk about minimal prep, like, <clears throat> I don't know how people prep teeth without understanding where the final position of right. the is supposed to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you can't verify that, then what are you prepping to? All those things we just talked about with ceramic, that all goes into giving your ceramics the best chance of getting to that final color, right? And if you don't give them enough room or you give them too much room on one tooth and not enough on the next, you're never yeah, going to get it. it. Yeah. So I like the idea of the direct. You're, I mean, you're doing a wax up. You're just doing it in the mouth with flowable composite and, and really working out your kinks there as opposed to sitting at a lab bench and doing it. Exactly. Nice. I like that approach. Yeah. So for Sarah here, we think it's it's more of a technique problem. She's just she's got to push it real good, push it real deep in there, and 
throw away that carbocane. Yeah, and then also try nitrous as well because sometimes when people are just having anxiety, yeah. they're not, you know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. feel everything. So you also have to calm them down and kind of knock them out as much as you can. So gas, sometimes we use Valium and then just real deep anesthetic. A lot of your celebrity patients are probably already coming in on a nice cocktail of uh, three and a half martinis and two Xanaxes and maybe a muscle relaxant, something like that. Right. A little, little bit of Molly. Right. <laughs> and Molly will definitely not help your anesthesia, I would think. <laughs> I think that's worse than Adderall. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. All right. So, uh, Michael, are you familiar with the website called Reddit? Reddit. Um, yes. Okay, so there is a, a subreddit on dentistry, and it's generally patients asking dentist questions, and some of the questions... That, that is the worst thing in the world. That that should be eliminated immediately. <laughs> it, this is not the dentist is answering those questions is is contributing to this global problem that I'm talking about. A hundred percent. And, and it, it, this is absolutely a problem. And this is not going to change your or influence your opinion on that at all. It's only going to reinforce oh. your opinion. This is from Reddit really? user I like dreaming. Reddit user I like dreaming asks shaky teeth when eating certain food. I'm not sure why, but whenever I eat food like cheese or eggs, my front teeth become shaky. Like I can't hear them click, and I can even more them with my I can even move them with my tongue. They don't really shaky, but shift more. Can someone explain this? <laughs> What, did, what Lance, can someone explain this? Wait, did a dentist answer that, though? Um, let me look at the actual thread here. Um, it's just people asking, like, what do you mean by shaky or shifty? Um, stuff like that. So there's not any, like, no one's, like, dropping real, real bouts of knowledge here, partly because this person is batshit insane. Well, it sounds like periodontal disease. Yeah, they're, they're, exactly. I mean... <laughs> It's, it's, it's called mobility, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe pick up a toothbrush one of these days. Yeah. Uh, when I eat cheese or eggs, writing it on Reddit.com. Yes, yes. Really interesting. Um, shaky teeth and eating certain foods. Let's see here. It's weird. Why certain foods? Cheese and eggs. Um, what about a steak? We do. We do have a pros resident who has a whole theory of post about this oh, called Fa "Phantom Loose Teeth" is what this pros resident is calling it. Oh, really, Lord. Um, Here we go. Um, <laughs> all right. So something to do with yogurt. The personal theory is that proteins in yogurt cause harmless oh clicking God. sensation, which patients interpret as having loose teeth. Try skipping milk one morning and see if it disappears. Oh God. So we think this is a dairy issue. Yeah, definitely. Or, or a meridian. Maybe it's a meridian issue. <laughs> Can you imagine? This post president thinks this is dairy? It could be gluten. Could be gluten. Uh, I, be I can't gluten. imagine the people that you command that are like on beer <laughs> juice cleanses and shit like that, right? Jeez. Yeah. She could have a gluten allergy. I mean that that could be the answer to her problem. Just tell her to stay off grains and breads for like well, Isn't the answer that the answer to all the problems? Ten weeks, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> somebody actually, somebody named Keto Girl. Of course, chimed in on this on this cheat on this uh, on this dairy thought and says this is fascinating. I would I was eating eating college che cottage cheese every day at lunch for a while and started to notice this. I stopped and it has completely gone away. Amazing. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. How, uh, how do you even come up with that theory? I don't know, but but why why do people answer that theory? <laughs> Without the obvious, you have periodontal disease. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Somebody says visit a dentist soon. Uh, have you had any there direct you trauma? What about periodontal disease? Does there it look you like your teeth are getting longer? How long have they been shaky? That's the weirdest term. That's such. I am always stunned by the words patients pick to use. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, and this is just one of those things. Like when talking about a tooth that's loose, they say shaky yeah that's such a weird that's such a weird weird <laughs> somebody asked if they were jamaican uh and i have no idea what that means like what that has to do with anything that's huh. that seems seems a little possibly racist i don't know i don't know 
We, we have another. I got two Reddit questions because I knew the shaky one would be pretty quick. So we've got a, a Reddit question from uh, Reddit user Wizard Wolf. Does okay. my dentist suck or is this normal? <laughs> I recently went to a dentist because I was experiencing persistent bad breath. They did a full examination and suggested a deep gum cleaning with laser beams to burn away some gum. <laughs> it sucked, and it was expensive, and I didn't have insurance, so I had to pay for it out of pocket. I was pretty desperate to solve this issue. Anyways, it didn't really work that well. And long story short, I thereafter discovered a big, gross tonsil stone tucked away in the back of my throat causing most of my distress. My question to you folks is this. Is this something my dentist should have caught? Or would they have not really been expected to discover something like that? Do I have a crappy dentist? I like everything else about him, but this was just disappointing uh, in their ability to solve this issue for me. I mean, and therein lies the reason why we don't treat general dental patients. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. It just doesn't... (laughs) I mean, to expect a dentist... To like, I mean, I, I look at tonsils as, as part of like a cursory airway examination, but I mean, I, like, or even if there is a tonsil stone in there, like, what the hell do you want me to do about it? Like, take a pair of cotton forceps back there? Like, yeah. I hope you're Jenna Jameson and can handle these cotton forceps at the back of your throat. Um, Lance, you, you, I'm assuming you look at a lot of tonsils. More than I want to admit. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you don't feel many tonsils, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't feel anything. <laughs> I mean, when I have patients with tonsil stones, I tell them, like, if I know they have tonsil stones or I see them, like, you need to go see a physician. This is not me. Yeah. This isn't yeah. what I do. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to get those things out of it. Like, first off, just get your freaking tonsils out. How about that? That, that will help. <laughs> There's a start. It's like it's like we need to add this to our exam, you know, our our, our comprehensive exam sheet now. Like uh, just another freaking thing for us to look at. I got to look at at gums. I got to look and see if teeth are shaky. I got to measure on that shaky index now. And now I'm yeah. looking at freaking tonsil stones. Now I'm jealous is of this guy. So is this Doctor Evil? Did he have like sharks with laser beams attached to their heads to do this? I gum do like thing? that. The, the periodontist with the laser beam attached to his head. I do like him. <laughs> I, I do like him. So, so Michael, do you guys have hygiene at all? No, no, of course we do. <laughs> okay, so you're but you're doing hygiene on your patients that you've restored. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um. And and I, man, I I would not want if I were a hygienist to like aggressive like to to have a cavatron on one of your veneers and pop it off. Um, <laughs> like, what does that sheepish look like when they come in in the room to tell you like, oh, I I was grinding on one of these teeth and and just popped off the veneer. Well, I hope that a cavatron would never pop. You know what I love is when yeah. you take an impression on a patient and they broke their veneer and then they came in to take an impression and it pulls the piece off. And it was the impression material that pulled my veneer out. Um, you. Yeah, a cavitron won't do anything. My my uh, hygienists are amazing, and they're they're super aggressive because you know what we do is we do not single isolate each tooth like I've seen become a hot topic in cosmetic dentistry today. We uh, insert an arch at a time, mm-hmm. and no matter how clean you are, and we're pretty clean. There's excess cement that's left over afterward, and our hygienist's job is to go in after insertion. Now, we're inserting four to five cases a day, so think yeah. about that. And they're going in and hand-scaling and cavitroning that cement out, which is aggressive. Yeah. So, um, no, they're pretty empowered, and they and they get it. What I hate is when you, you know, you're... Your patient goes like, oh, I don't live here. I'm going to go see my hygienist. And the hygienist like, does get paranoid that they're going to pop a veneer off. Um, they right. pop off if they're bonded properly. Right. Somebody on this uh, Does My Dentist Suck thread said, definitely a crappy dentist. It's very hard to miss a tonsil stone. They took your money, and now you have less gum tissue, which may lead to more problems down the road. Flossing oh. daily can eliminate the majority of bad breath and strengthen what gums you have left. God. Somebody then, somebody then replied to that saying, I can tell you're not a dentist. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, what a dick. What yeah. a freaking dick. Yeah, you're right. This is this this a problem. This I mean, the fact that there is this, there's the fact that the, like people have a place where they can go and just bitch and moan about whatever. Um, you know, you it's know, not good for anybody. You know what's worse is um, you know, we we talked about Instagram. 
you know, if you look on my Instagram page or a lot of other people who have a lot of followers, you'll find that like people will promote their own services on your page. Yeah. You ever seen that? Yeah. yeah. Where people go on and they will answer ridiculous questions on your page and think that you're not going to be completely annoyed with that right. with, the, with the wrong answer, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah. It, it is just amazing. But that, I mean, <clears throat> really something has to be done. You have to know that telling a patient that, you know, burning off gum tissue with a laser beam is is, is somehow going to cause a problem down the road. I mean, it's just amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a dentist that, that answered that question. It's true. There, there are oh, a lot. God, of- I hope not. I don't know. Dentists in general seem to be very good at just backstabbing each other. So imitate other dentists, and I think you probably had that, Michael. Ah, the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I bet. Worst. well, Michael, thank you so much for, for doing this. This was awesome. We we yeah. sort of have a tradition at the end of our show, uh, which we're going to get to in just a second, where um, one of us picks a song that we end the show with. So it can be a song that's like your jam, your favorite song of all time, or just something that's like really hot for you right now, just whatever. So uh, it, over the next 30 seconds or so, I want you to be thinking about a song that you can drop on us since you're our guest. Um, it's it's your, uh, it, we're, we're extending the courtesy to you to, to pick the song for the week so right. um, so Lance Michael I think we did people some good today I think we bitched and moaned about a lot of stuff in dentistry yeah um and I think we've uh, we've we've had it we've had a good time. Uh, be sure to share this with your friends, all our listeners. That's how we grow the show. We uh, consistently rate very very well, but uh, you know, bigger is always better, as uh, as uh, I've been told uh, during many breakup speeches from girls. Uh, <laughs> so so share if you got some demented friends that, that might uh, get some some like out of the show. Share with them. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes uh, or wherever you're listening to the show. Lance, how many stars do we like? I'm a big fan of five. I like five as well. Five's perfect. Um, or, or wherever you listen to the show, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, if you're flicking through there, flick five stars. Um, hit us up on the web, www.workinginterferences.com, and you can find us on all of the social bullshits. Um, uh, Insta, uh, Facebook, uh, Search Working Interferences with Josh and Lance. Uh, Instagram, you can find us at uh, Winterferences. Um, Twitter, you can find us at Winterferences. I can be found on Instagram at Joshua Austin DDS. Uh, Lance can be find on can be found on Instagram at Dr Timmerman DMD. And uh, Dr Michael Appa can be found on Instagram at Dr Appa uh, or Docto Rappa if you want to go look at it that way, whichever one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we uh, we asked uh, Dr. Appa to, to load up a song for us. So so what do you got for us? All right. So this goes out to um, a documentary I just saw on Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine selling beats the company for three billion dollars. The song is "Little Ghetto Boy" on the Chronic. Nice. I love it. That's that's. Uh, I forgot the name of that documentary, but I watched it three or four times, um, and and I thoroughly enjoyed every single moment of it. So yep. uh, you you have excellent taste. I'm assuming you just have to consume a lot of media on those those flights across the world, exactly. uh, a couple times a month. So so exactly. good, good. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening, Dr. Appa. Thank you so much again. It's been a, a right. pleasure having you on. I appreciate it. Um, for uh, for Michael Appa, for Lance Temperman, I'm Joshua Austin. Peace. Getting that rep as a young hog 
It ain't nothing like the street life You better be strapped with your shank Cause ain't no fist fight So I guess I got to handle mine Since I did the crime, I got to do my time Oh, boy. 